Let's try that again. The Lord be with you. Welcome to worship at Fellowship Church. It is uh, by faith. Oh, look, that, I even have notes. I was like, what happened to those, Jess? Thank you. We are called together by the Spirit, and we also recognize that we come here by faith. It is by faith that our ancestors live. It is by faith that we are brought into this world. It is by faith that we are redeemed by uh, the risen Jesus Christ. It is by faith that we can be assured of God's promises of eternal life. On this All Saints Sunday, we remember those who, by faith, have lived and have now become for us the great cloud of witnesses. Those we loved as parent and sometimes child, those that we loved as friend, and those that we loved as the ones that have been for us an example of faith. We come this morning to worship the author and perfecter of our faith, Jesus Christ, the risen one. Let us stand and sing.
Friends, there are times in our lives where we are reminded of our frail humanity, of our mortality, and yet of God's steadfast faithfulness. And today is one of those days that we intentionally remember that. Uh, we, we know the scriptures tell us in Psalm 116 that precious is the sight, in the sight of the Lord is the death of one of his faithful ones. And today on All Saints Day, we want to remember in particular those who have passed on among us in this past year. So I will pray in just a minute, and as I do that, you'll be invited to open your eyes in the midst of it as I'll read off names. Pastor Nate will be lighting from the Christ candle up front, a light that cannot be snuffed out. He will be lighting the candles around the perimeter of the stage here in memory of those folks among us. You're invited to join in that prayer as we do so. So let's pray together. God of all ages, we are mindful often of our loved ones who have gone before us, but especially today, we are thankful of the com- for the communion of the saints, and on this All Saints Day especially, we bless you for the faithful witness of your apostles, of the prophets, and of the martyrs throughout history, and even in the world today, through their witness we see and hear your truth. We bless you for all those who bless your name through writing, through speaking, through art, through music, through leadership. By their work, we glimpse your beauty. We praise you also for all who serve you without recognition or without honor, offering encouragement to the lonely, to the sick, and to the fearful. Through their lives, we see your faithfulness and sense your comfort. And now today, on this day, All Saints Sunday, we now name before you and light a candle for the members of this faith community who have passed away in the past 12 months. We remember together Paul Becker. Phyllis Birma. Emery Blanksma. Pam Borsma. Marcia Bronson. Joan Buck, Ken Diepenhorst, Julie Roloffs, Ray Taylor. Carol Wagner, and one more candle for other unnamed friends and family of this congregation. As we remember these dear loved ones, ones who have been loved by us and loved by you, O God, we pray 
that you will now use even us to reflect the glory and the light of Christ to this world which so needs it. May the voices of all your saints, made holy in Christ, swell in joyous praise to you, the giver of all good gifts, through Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forevermore. Amen.
Thanks be to God uh, for the saints that have gone before us, those that we know now uh, hold that tension of despair and hope no longer, but now experience the fullness of life as it was meant to be uh, as they live eternally with God. Good morning, my name is Nate Skipper, and I am one of the pastors here at Fellowship, where our mission is to love God and others as an accepting community centered in Christ and focused on developing faithful followers of Jesus. If you are new or if you are visiting with us this morning, welcome. We are glad that you are here. If you'd like to make yourself known to us, we have connection cards at the back of the sanctuary and then also at the Welcome Center where you can fill that out and uh, we can share with you a little bit more about what God is up to here at Fellowship Church. In your bulletin, you might notice we are in week two of what we're calling No Scrooge November, which is a way for us to be extra generous this uh, fall uh, or in this month, uh, ways for us to partner with uh, the work that God's doing in our community. Really cool stuff like giving uh, gift cards uh, to foster families through our mission partner, Bethany Christmas, Bethany Christian Services, or uh, fulfilling uh, Christmas presents uh, at a store for folks in our community through our annual Hope Christmas store that we can do again this year, or filling uh, care boxes. We only have a handful of boxes left out in the atrium there, and once those boxes are gone, that means we've fulfilled our commitment uh, for Holland Rescue Mission. Uh, and lastly, a new and cool thing we found out a couple weeks ago while we were at Max Catawba Bay Middle School that West Ottawa has some students that are in need of some clothes. Uh, so there's a clothing drive, new or gently used clothes, uh, that you can find some stuff, uh, information about that in the atrium as well. Really cool stuff. We hope that you'll consider these extra moments of generosity. Speaking of West Ottawa, though, we got to give a little shout out because yesterday there was a pretty cool meet that happened. Did you guys hear about this? West Ottawa girls cross country team featuring Megan Postma over here got second place in the state of Michigan. Come on. Not only that, but we had some great individual efforts from folks at Fellowship Church. Karsten Cole was a top finisher uh, in the men's meet, and also Jordan Clausen, I saw you come in, a freshman. Oh, she's out teaching Sunday school because she's just that kind of kid. Uh, but she also got all state honors yesterday at the meet. So we uh, give God thanks for these speedsters. I don't know, we might have to start a cross-country team right here at Fellowship Church. We got enough runners around here. I even saw Dave around here on the other side of town. Come on. 
My friends, we uh, as a church uh, can celebrate and give God thanks for these, uh, and we also celebrate and give God thanks uh, for the resources that he has given to each one of us. And so we freely give that and use those funds together to support the ministry that God is doing through, uh, in and through our church. One note, I know that about a month ago I mentioned to you, or we mentioned to you, that we are uh, anticipating sponsoring a refugee family, and we are still waiting. Uh, they are caught in the system somewhere. We don't know where, but they are not here just yet, uh, but we have a team in place, and we're uh, making ready, and we even have a house in place for them. Uh, but that is uh, still pending. So uh, we didn't forget about it, and we didn't forget to tell you that it happened. Uh, and we're just waiting on that uh, a little bit longer. As you know, this fall, we uh, may know this fall, we've been highlighting some of your stories. Ultimately, we believe these are God's stories, and these are part of the fellowship story. Check out this new video this week. <laughs> Hi, my name's Mary Moore, and I've been attending fellowship for a very long time, um, over 50 years since we all were worshiping at Wakazoo School. Um, I've been a Christian I, as long as I can remember. I was raised in a very um, devout family who also attended fellowship. Um, my earliest memory of knowing that there was a God or what God did in the world was I was probably three or four and I would go outside and sit on the back porch with my dad and there were woods around the outside of, the, of our yard and in the summertime he would tell me these marvelous stories about God's fairies and we would watch God's fairies in, in the bushes and he would tell me incredible stories about what they were doing to prepare the creation for the next day so that after we woke up in the morning, God's hand would have been all around our yard. It wasn't until I was much older I realized they were fireflies, but for years I thought God had fairies working in our yard. So. One of the, the times that I really felt God working with me as an adult um, was a, about 20 years ago when I was looking for a new house to buy. And my daughter and I had um, lived in a tiny little 600 square foot home and we were happy there, we loved it there, but it was, time her she was getting a little bigger it was time to get a little bit more space so um i had actually looked at this house and felt like for some strange reason like maybe this was the house for us and i was going to go through it for a second time with the realtor and i beat him to the house so i was actually sitting right here on this porch and having a pretty honest conversation with god about you know, this makes no sense. We are a two-person family. We're coming from a 600-square-foot house. This house has four bedrooms, three bathrooms, was way too big for us. So I'm talking to God, and I'm saying, God, this makes no sense. So why do I feel called to this house? What? You got to help me. I don't understand. This is a decision I have to make. It makes no sense. And very clearly, I, I didn't 
physically hear a voice, but I knew it was God talking to me. And he said, so fill it up. I ended up buying the house. And in 20 years, I mean, within six months, I had a relative going through a bad divorce, another relative that needed a place to stay, some pets. We were full. Every bedroom was full. We had six animals in the house. The house was, and they had three, house, three homes worth of furniture in moving in. And since then, I don't go out and look for people, but people find me. And we've had several exchange students. I had an immigrant from um, Honduras who didn't speak any English. She was here for three years. Um, I had another woman who was working through a domestic violence situation. This was her safe house for probably a year and a half. She would come here when she needed to hide and be safe. Um, so God has just provided amazing opportunities to fill this house up. God's been teaching me lately as I age and as my friends age um, that you can turn complaints into gratitude. We all like to complain about bodies that are getting older and don't move like they should or like they used to. Um, and it's just really nice to think about, for me, to think about the positive parts about my body being a temple of the Lord, um, my body being kind of a marker for a life well-led, for all, you know, it kind of holds the memories and all the experiences and the visceral experiences I've had over my life. And it's a marker for the fact that I'm, I'm getting close, I'm getting closer to going to heaven. thankful to Mary Moore for sharing her story with us, um, you know, of, of times that she's heard God from the time of being a little girl to even um, now in God speaking to her through her body, which maybe many of us can relate to that vulnerability. Um, at this time, we invite our kids and students who are ages three years through eighth grade to head to their um, Sunday school. Um, and also, as, as they do that, we invite you to stand and we'll sing together 10,000 Reasons. Ship is holy, 
may be seated. Well, good morning, Fellowship Church. The Lord be with you. Hey, today we have the great honor of welcoming a guest into our pulpit here this morning, but Hannah is hardly a guest for us. She's a familiar face to you, I'm sure. She actually just sang last week from right here. Uh, Hannah, Hannah Barker Nicolay has been with us for quite some time. Her and her husband Jackson sitting right in the front are members here. They are both past interns here at Fellowship Church, and we're really glad to have her in our midst this morning. If you don't happen to know who Hannah is, she is one who grew up in Orange City, Iowa, and then went on to school at Northwestern College, where she studied theater, which is one of the many gifts that she shared with us uh, already and continues to do so. She went on from there to Western Theological Seminary, which is where we got to know her all the more, and that's where she was an intern here for that time. She's since graduated and has a Master of Divinity, and we are eager to hear the word of the Lord from you this morning. A few things that we know about her, including her love for Scripture, her love for Scripture enactment, but also poetry, uh, cooking, uh, a handful of other wonderful things that remind her that she's just like the rest of us, and we're really glad to have her with us. Today's text, wonderfully, is one that she has studied for years, and so I knew in advance that this is a text where we probably get to hear only 10%, maybe not even that, of what she's thought and could share about it today, but we're eager to hear the word of the Lord through her this morning. So I wonder if I can pray before you do that. Blessed are you, O Lord, our God, King of the universe, for Hannah and for all that you've made her to be by nature and by grace, for shaping her to be your servant in the world and in the church. And we thank you for your word that she will soon help us lean into and illuminate for us. We ask that by your spirit you will come alongside her. Let her preparations and her discernment and her words today be edifying to us so that your church may be built up to bless your world. So please, O oh God, we ask that you would use your servant for this moment here and now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, would you please welcome Hannah to our place. Our scripture today comes smack in the middle of this larger saga. So before we hear the text, I'd like to take just a minute to set the stage. This is a story about Elijah, one of the prophets of God during the time that there were kings in Israel. After David, after Solomon, there was a split, and now there were two kingdoms, Israel to the north and Judah to the south, and both Israel and Judah had their own king. Elijah is a prophet during the time of King Ahab and Queen Jezebel. Ahab is a king of Israel, and 1 Kings 16 tells us that Ahab did more evil in the sight of the Lord than all of the kings who came before him. He begins to worship the god Baal instead of the Lord, and he abandons the Lord's commandments and the Lord's ways, and the people of Israel begin to follow suit. 
Queen Jezebel begins killing off the prophets of the Lord. And in the midst of all of this, Elijah is trying to call the king and the people back to the Lord. There's this epic showdown between Elijah, one of the only prophets of the Lord left, we'll, we'll put him over here, and the prophets of Baal, each of them trying to demonstrate to the people of Israel which divinity is indeed God, Baal or the Lord. The prophets of Baal, they make offerings, they cry out, but they receive no response of any kind from Baal. But the Lord responds to Elijah with a demonstration of consuming fire, and the people watching declare that the Lord indeed is God. The people seize the prophets of Baal, and Elijah kills them. I'd like to take just a moment to name that this period of Israel's history, this section of scripture, is very violent. These stories are messy and horrifying, and it's okay if your heart breaks when you hear them. The God who shows up in the totality of the story of Scripture is not a God who longs for the world to be this way. Things are not supposed to be this way. And yet, it is still part of these stories, and it is still part of the context for today's Scripture. This might stir up a lot of theological questions in you. If you would like to talk about them, I would love to get coffee sometime and engage these questions with you, but that won't be our focus for today. But I didn't want to go into today's story without naming what's there. So, keeping all of these things in mind, Israel and Judah, Ahab and Jezebel, the prophets of Baal and Elijah, here now this portion of the story of God as it is written in the book that we love, from 1 Kings 19, verses 1 through 21. Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, how he had killed the prophets of, the, of Baal with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so may the gods do to me and more also, if I do not make your life like the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. And he was afraid and got up and fled for his life. He came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah. He left his servant there but he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a solitary broom tree. He asked that he might die. It is enough. Now, O oh Lord, take my life away, for I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the broom tree and fell asleep. 
Suddenly, an angel touched him and said to him, get up and eat. He looked and there at his head was a cake baked on hot stones and a jug of water. He ate and drank and lay down again. The angel of the Lord came a second time, touched him and said, get up and eat. Otherwise the journey will be too much for you. And he got up and ate and drank and he went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the Mount of God. At that place, he came to a cave and spent the night there. Then the word of the Lord came to him saying, what are you doing here, Elijah? He answered, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the Israelites have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword, and I alone am left, and they are seeking my life to take it away. He said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Now, there was a great wind, so strong that it was splitting mountains and breaking rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a sound of sheer silence. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. Then there came a voice that said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? He answered, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the Israelites have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they are seeking my life to take it away. Then the Lord said to him, Go. Return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive, you shall anoint Hazael as king over Aram. And you shall anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, as king over Israel. And you shall anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, of Abel-Meholah, as prophet in your place. Whoever escapes from the sword of Hazael, Jehu shall kill, and whoever escapes from the sword of Jehu, Elisha shall kill. Yet, I will leave 7,000, 7,000 in Israel 
all the knees that have not bowed to Baal and every mouth that has not kissed him. So he set out from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat, who was plowing. There were 12 yoke of oxen ahead of him, and he was with the 12th. Elijah passed by him and threw his mantle over him. He left the oxen, ran after Elijah, and said, let me kiss my mother and father, and then I will follow you. Then Elijah said to him, go back again, for what have I done to you? He returned from following him, took the yoke of oxen, and slaughtered them. And using the equipment from the oxen, he boiled their flesh, gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he set out and followed Elijah and became his servant. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This is the story of Elijah's despair and God's response to it. Elijah has tried to be faithful to his prophetic calling, but this journey has become too much for him. Elijah has experienced some pretty significant trauma. He is in a story of great violence. And he is alone. The other prophets of the Lord have been killed, and now he himself has a threat against his life. And there's a degree to which he has failed in his prophetic role. He maybe turned some of the people of the Lord back to the Lord in that display of the Lord's power against the prophets of Baal, but the king, the leader of the people, remains unchanged. So he runs. He goes south to Beersheba, which is a ways into Judah, well out of Jezebel and Ahab's jurisdiction. He leaves his servant there, and then he goes out into the wilderness utterly alone. And there is no hiding from himself anymore. His inner turmoil consumes him. Whatever that inner turmoil may hold, be it fear, shame, grief, anxiety, burnout, depression, anger, loneliness, despair, it surges like the sea in a storm until he says enough. It's too much. And even though he's running for his life, he begs the Lord to take his life away, to just end it. There's nothing left for Elijah to do but collapse and enter the deep nothingness of sleep. The Lord does not take Elijah's life away. Instead, the Lord cares for Elijah in his despair. An angel of the Lord comes to make sure that he is fed. Elijah is not ready to continue, so he goes back to sleep. And the angel comes again to make sure he has enough nourishment so that he can continue his journey. 
God's response to Elijah's despair in the wilderness is to feed him. After an extended journey in the wilderness, Elijah arrives at Mount Horeb. When he gets there, the word of the Lord comes to him and asks a question. Now, there are a lot of different ways that we can imagine the tone of this question. Today, I'd like to invite you to consider this one. Compassionate curiosity. God's question, what are you doing here, invites Elijah to show up exactly as he is with all of the too muchness that he is experiencing. And that's exactly what Elijah does. He names the terrible reality that he is living in, the violence, the loneliness, the fear. And the word of the Lord tells him to go out and stand on the mountain of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. The word of the Lord hears Elijah's pain and invites Elijah deeper into God's presence. And then these forces of great power appear, wind, earthquake, fire, fire, the element that Elijah has just called upon to demonstrate the Lord's presence and power to the people of Israel, but the Lord is not in them. Instead, Elijah and his inner turmoil meet God in the stillness that comes after. And the Lord again asks Elijah, what are you doing here? And again, in the holy presence of God, Elijah gives voice to his pain. the Lord offers Elijah a different way forward. Elijah will no longer be alone. He need not bear the weight of Israel's spiritual well-being and faithfulness by himself. He is to anoint others for the task. And the Lord names a reality that perhaps Elijah cannot see. There are those left in Israel who remain faithful to the Lord and to the Lord's ways. And so God's response to Elijah naming his distress in Mount Horeb is an invitation into deeper presence and a calling into a different future reality. And finally, Elijah sets out to start these new tasks we don't know how long he stayed at Mount Horeb. We don't know what he was feeling when he left. But before he does anything else, he finds Elisha, the one who is to replace him as prophet. And he calls Elisha to follow him by passing on his mantle. But Elisha isn't quite ready yet. Perhaps it becomes clear to Elijah that he will need training and preparation. It's not time for full relief for Elijah quite yet. But Elisha does follow him. He's slaughtered his oxen and burned his equipment, so there's no going back now. Elijah has a new companion for the journey. He is no longer alone. The promise of the future comes a little bit closer. And maybe he can glimpse the word of the Lord coming to fruition.
God's response to Elijah journeying forth with whatever remains of his fear and despair is this encounter with Elisha, a sighting of the Lord's faithfulness. Friends, the journey of faith always contains some mixture of despair and hope. We journey between the two. They coexist, and we might visit everything in between. And if not full-out despair, then perhaps some of despair's softer siblings. Disappointment, disillusionment, doubt. But whatever we're experiencing, whatever we bring with us, we need not hide it from the Lord for fear of being shunned from God's presence or for fear of being thought unfaithful. God cares for us in our despair and remains faithful in our hope. The God of Elijah is also the God of us. The Lord is the one who feeds us when we have nothing left and nourishes us for the journey to come. Christ is the word who ushers us deeper into the presence of God as we are whatever our inner turmoil might be. The Spirit hears us when we cry out and calls and equips us to participate in a different future reality. Thanks be to God for who God is, for how God loves us, and for who God calls us into being. In the name of the Creator, Redeemer, and Sustainer, Amen. Thank you, Hannah. And thank you for that poignant question. What are we doing here? It's a question that we all think about uh, on an existential level on a day like All Saints Day when we think mm -hmm. of those that have gone before us. What are we doing here? It's also a question that we can ask of ourselves this morning. What are we doing here in this place? We come to this table as we are, full of despair, and yet we also come to this table believing in hope that there is something more. We come to this table remembering the great story of salvation in Jesus, that Christ has come, that Christ has died, and that Christ has risen again. We also come to this table expecting communion, communion with God, of course, but alongside of the saints, those with us here and those that have gone before us. And we certainly come in hope, believing that this table is just a foretaste of the one that, will one, that will, we will someday experience. We come in remembrance, in communion, and in hope. We also come this morning mindful that the banquet that we are experiencing is a very small foretaste of that banquet in the form of the bread that is in your pouches and in the form of a cup that is in another little pouch. So I encourage you to make ready of that uh, as we get ready to take those elements. And if you don't have them, there are elders at the back of the sanctuary who will make sure that you can have the elements. Just put your hand up and uh, they will come and serve you. At Fellowship Church, we welcome to this table and into this feast all those who love God and who are learning to follow Jesus. And we are eager to do so together. 
I'm going to share with you a prayer, a prayer that would be known by the saints, marked by these candles around us, a prayer that's common to many other Christians. So I invite you to join in praying together. Holy and right it is, and our joyful duty, to give you thanks at all times and in all places, O Lord, our Creator, Almighty and everlasting God. For you created heaven with all its hosts, and earth with all its plenty. You have given us life and being, and preserve us by your providence. But you have shown the fullness of your Son, uh, fullness of your love, by sending into this world your Son, Jesus Christ the eternal word made flesh for us and for our salvation. For the precious gift of this mighty Savior who has reconciled us to you, we praise and bless you, O God, with your whole church on earth and with all the company of heaven. We worship and adore your glorious name. At the same time, most righteous God, we remember in this supper the perfect sacrifice offered once on a cross by our Lord Jesus Christ, for the sin of the whole world. In the joy of his resurrection and in expectation of his coming again, we offer ourselves to you as holy and living sacrifices. And we remember the mystery of our faith, that Christ has died, that Christ has risen, and that Christ will come again. So send your Holy Spirit on us, we pray that the bread which we break and the cup which we bless may be to us the communion of the body and the blood of Christ. Grant that being joined together in him, we may attain to the unity of the faith and grow up in every way into Christ, who is our head. And as this grain has been gathered from many fields into one loaf and these grapes from many hills into one cup, grant, O Lord, that your whole church may soon be gathered from the ends of the earth and into your kingdom. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen. Friends, I invite you to remember with me the story of Jesus. For on the same night that he was to be betrayed, he gathered with his disciples and he took bread. And after giving thanks, he broke it. And he gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. As often as you take of it, do so in remembrance of me. So I invite you to grab the bread from your pouch and place it in your hand. And in this time in which we are doing this a little differently than normal, I invite you to envision yourself at a great table fellowship in your house or even more so at the table presence of our Lord Jesus Christ and in the communion of the saints that have gone before us. Take a moment to picture yourself there. And now to hear the very words of our Lord Jesus who said, this is my body given for you. Take, eat, remember, and believe. In the same way, after they had supper, Jesus took the cup and said, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. As often as you drink of it, do so in remembrance of me. 
Similarly, we take the cup and remember that when we commune with God, we are communing with the blood of Christ that Christ shed for us. Hmm. Let us remember that in prayer. Hmm. The blood of Christ was shed for you. Friends, these are the gifts of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's join in song together. Please stand.
And now, friends, receive this benediction. May the peace of the Lord Christ go with you wherever he may send you. May he guide you through the wilderness, protect you through the storm. May he bring you home rejoicing at the wonders he has shown you. May he bring you home rejoicing once again into our doors.